Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. And all of a sudden, there's a baby doll on the coffee table, and he's winking at you. <laughs> like, what do you know that I don't, baby doll? Life 107.1. I'll buy it. I will. I'll buy your mug. I will she, buy she the will. mug. I she, love mugs. She's not joking. I love mugs with fun sayings on them. It's just kind of a thing. I've got a whole table of nothing but mugs in my office. And I just want to know, what is your parenting motto that will fit on a mug? My husband and I are very proud parents of five children ages 23 to 28. And when they were teenagers... I'm sure you can imagine there are some pretty stressful times and hormones and just different personalities. (laughs) And my friend gave me a little plaque and it said, parenting teenagers is like nailing jello to a tree. (laughs) Nice. I still have that. And I look at that every day and it goes upon what Jen just said about you will survive. You will you'll, survive. You'll get through this. They are wonderful adults. They're kind. They're caring. And we couldn't be more proud of each and every one of them. But y- you will survive. <laughs> <laughs> you can find some of the best advice on a mug. Well, you can at least find some that make you laugh. <laughs> and that's what we're looking for. If you had parenting advice that you could fit on a mug, what would it be? Ours was, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can use that for the kids, too. We use it for everybody. <laughs> parenting advice. Mm. So succinct. You could fit it on a mug. What you got for us? Raising kids is like being pecked to death by chickens. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) I was torn between that and don't sweat the small stuff. (laughs) Well, chicken pecks are kind of small. Yeah, true. Oh, my word. That's hilarious. Parenting is like being pecked to death by chickens. Boy, hope someday I can be a dad. Uh, yeah. yeah, why wouldn't you want to be? I know, I know. <laughs> it's one of the most popular passages in the Bible. Maybe you've heard the story. Shortly after Jesus has died and come back from the dead, he started appearing to different people. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of his friends all kind of gathered together in this room. They've got the doors locked because they're worried about people coming after them. And there's a few of them who are saying, you guys, you're not going to believe this. Jesus is back. Like, he he is walking around, he's talking to people. And there's our buddy Thomas, who is the show me guy. I need proof. And he's saying, you guys, I can't can't just go along with this. I can't just believe this without seeing some evidence. And as a kid, I remember thinking, come on, Thomas. Come on, Tommy. But now... I mean, we do it all the time. Oh, we yeah. Try to, you know, logic things away and explain things away. I probably would have been with Thomas doubting. And he's, I mean, to the point where he's like, I got to stick my fingers in those scars mm-hmm. to know that Jesus came back. And then what does Jesus do? He pops right in and he says, hey, check it out. <laughs> and he shows Thomas his scars. And Thomas, you know, he just like drops to his knees. He's like, OK, I'm, yep. I'm on board. My Lord and my God. And, you know, I think for most of us, we focus on Thomas. OK, Thomas figured it out. And Jesus says something along the lines of blessed are those that yeah. believe but don't have to see. But here's what I never caught before. So Jesus just came back from the dead, like from the dead. This isn't Princess Bride, like mostly dead, but slightly alive. Like he was all the way dead in the tomb, stone rolled behind him. 
and he got all those systems working again. Yeah. His blood's pumping. His lungs are breathing. He is walking around and talking like nothing happened, except Jesus kept his scars. He didn't have to, right? If he has the power to bring his own body back to life, slide a stone out of the way and start walking around, he could have flawless skin with no blemishes or nothing. But he shows up. And in that moment, those scars are proof that he's victorious. So a week ago, my friend here, Taylor, came up with the most amazing spiritual observation that I may have heard in, in I can't even remember, <laughs> when he, he said, you know, Jesus came back from the dead with a body that could move through walls, most likely a glorified body, and yet he kept his scars. He showed them off to Thomas as like proof that, yeah, this really happened and I'm really back. He had a glorified body. It could have been perfect. But he chose to keep his scars. And after I picked myself up off the floor, because I'd never thought of it that way, I looked at Taylor and I asked him, I'm like, well, wait, does that mean that the scars that we hold are the most glorified parts of us? I mean, the things that we have gone through in our lives that have scarred us, but at the same time brought us closer to the Lord and showed him to the world around us, does that make those things the most glorified parts of us? The beauty of a scar is that it doesn't ignore that pain happened. Like, I can show you the scar on my arm from, you know, when I smashed a glass against it. And yeah, that hurt. And it's a reminder of the time I made a mistake and slashed my wrists all up nasty. But the scar there also means that it healed. Mm -hmm. And when we have scars in our lives, we're able to say, you know what? I've been through the ugly, but I've got hope on the other side. There's a quote from Charles Spurgeon that I think is going to be now my life motto. And he says, I have learned to kiss the wave that knocks me up against the rock of ages. We can all agree it's an anxious time. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff happening. Would you like to be less anxious? Would you like to have your heart rate go down, mm -hmm. your anxiety levels okay. go down, your yeah. blood pressure go down, and just overall be healthier mentally, emotionally, and physically? I, I don't know who would say no to any of that. Of course. Yeah. So, <gasps> science to the rescue! Did you say science? I did! Science! There we go! This is the most wonderful science thing ever. This a is a study out of the University of Leeds in the United Kingdom. All right. So a study out of the UK says if you watch videos of cute animals, you will reduce all of your levels. All of them. Blood pressure levels, anxiety levels, heart rate levels, all of them. Every single one. And this study was just done in December of last year. Yeah. So it's still relevant. It's it's recent. It's this is new <laughs> research. These and like literally the entire focus group that they did this with. Every single person. Every single one. There wasn't one that was like, nope. you know, those kittens aren't really doing it nope. for me. Every single person noticed reduced levels of all the bad things. The lead scientist basically put together a 30 minute montage of cuteness. 
So kittens, puppies, baby gorillas, those little quokas that are called the happiest animal yeah. on the internet. It's like a smiling baby kangaroo. All of them were in this video, and after 30 minutes, every single person had reduced stress and anxiety. Love it. Now you have an excuse in the middle of your day mm-hmm. to say, you know what, boss? I need to watch some cute cat, dog, cute animal videos. Science says it's good for your health. Science says that watching videos of cute animals lowers all the bad blood pressure and all that other kind of stuff. This is radio. We can't watch, but we're going to try to do this. We're going to make videos in your mind. Right. Imagine all of the stories we're going to tell you. Tell us cute things about your cute animals, and let's see if it lowers our bad levels. I had a Laza Opso for quite a number of years, and she was kind of a a light blonde tan color in the winter I would let her hair get longer and she loved snow she loved snow so much she would go out and she would flip it with her nose and the really cute thing she would do is what I called snow angels she would just flip herself over on her back and she would swirl herself around in a circle and then get up and shake off and she'd go to another spot and she'd flip herself down and she'd swirl on her back and she would do that until there was no snow left in the yard she was like every little patch until it had all melted for the year. That is such a wonderful story. I love it. Yep, I feel less stressed already. I do Thank too. you. Oh my goodness, my heart rate went down. The animals can definitely be a joy. <laughs> you can be a hero by telling us about your pet. That's true. Because science says that when you watch a video of cute animals, it lowers all of the bad levels. Blood pressure, heart rate, anxiety. So because this is radio, we need to get a little bit more creative. We need to paint word pictures. Mm -hmm. So we need you to tell us stories about cute animals, and it lowers all of our anxiety levels. We're putting you up to the microphone. Lower our anxiety with a pet story. I have a great Dane, and he is a big baby. And so uh, one time I went to open the back door for him to go out, you know, to the backyard and there was a caterpillar there and he wouldn't come out. He stood off to the side. He was terrified. Oh, no. Yeah. So I had to pick it up and move it before he'd come outside. Well, then, you know, being the good mom of a pet I am, I chased him around with it. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to get you. He's going to get you. Dr. Heidi, we have sure turned 2020 into a scapegoat, haven't we? Oh, we have. And I believe it's a deserving one. But (laughs) cultural anxiety, I mean, you read about it, you deal with it, you hear it from your friends. Why is it so hard right now? That's a great question. And first of all, we've never done this before. No. And when we go through other types of hard things, we have rituals and we have practices that help us manage the emotion of it. When we lose someone we love, when they die, as devastating as that is, we have funerals. We have meal trains. We have things that people do to help us manage those difficult emotions. And we have people who have gone before us. We have people who say, yeah, I've been there. I've lost my dad. I've lost my mom. And we have people who can walk with us through that. But we've never done a pandemic before. We've never done a pandemic before. We've We've, never done this level of cultural uncertainty and chaos. And we have no framework for, okay, how do we handle this? Or when is it going to be done? 
sometimes the support systems that people we depend on to help us through it, they might have a different opinion of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And it might make it hard for us to access that support. There's so that. many ways to end up on the other team from your friends. Yes. So many ways. Yes. And and response to coronavirus and masks and schooling does seem to be a very arbitrary but very divisive line. But here's what we have to do. We have to remember that relationships are eternal. And we have to fight for relationships with the people that we love. And even if it means saying, look, we completely disagree on all the things, but you are important to me and I'm not willing to let this little tiny virus ruin our friendship. I'm not Mm -hmm. willing to let what you do or do not think about masks disrupt this 20 year, this 10 year, this relationship we've had that's been so meaningful. It's just not worth it. I think about Paul. There's a verse that he says, you'll shine like stars in the sky in a dark world. Yes. And what he says before that is the way that you stand out as believers is not bickering with each other. Like (sighs) literally, he says, quit bickering and people are going to notice that there's something special about you. And I think we think, well, I'll stop bickering with you if you agree with me, right? (laughs) That's not the option right now. The option right now is I love you. We disagree where I'm going to keep loving you. And we just maybe don't need to talk about it, but let's go grill hamburgers anyway. Right. Also, we have to come back to Jesus. He is not surprised by this. Christians have been believers and they've been beacons of hope and light in chaotic cultures since the beginning of time. Mm. And so instead of forwarding that news story on to your friend, can you believe it? I just saw this. Guess what? Forward that hope and truth onto your friend. We have to be careful what we spend our time thinking about and rehearsing. And if we're rehearsing chaos, we're going to feel chaotic. But if we're rehearsing the truth about who Jesus is and the fact that we have that living hope in him, we're going to be so much more peaceful and so much more hopeful. We're going to be able to shine his light into this culture and bring other people into that hope with us. One thing that's remained consistent through 2020 is the music. Yeah. We've always had the music. We've still had the music. But somebody had to write the music. And that's where Life 107.1's artists come into play. God gives them just the words to say, to write the songs, and who knows when we're going to need them, right? And maybe you've heard this new song from Rhett Walker called Good To Me that is just perfect for a pandemic because it's, you know, I'll look this storm in the eye, I won't fear because you're on my side, my first hope, my last word, now and forever, All you've ever been is good to me. What a great reminder that we need so much. Now, here's the thing. Rhett did not write that song in the middle of a pandemic. He did it? He wrote it long before. And so we were talking to him about how timely and how perfect this song has been that it came out now. Man, it's been really nuts of a year, I think, for everybody. But I think that's, you know, it was a reminder on a few things. It was a reminder that God is good and oh, man, now I've got to actually live out the songs I write. You know, <laughs> yeah. the in the pudding. We, we write these songs from seasons of our life. And this one was a season of my life where, you know, I was wavering and like, man, do I do this? Do I do that? And it became very clear to me that God remained the same. Mm. It threw it through. He, you know, and the song says he's constant, faithful, proven, and able. And I was like, man, I don't know if I've ever really, even writing this song, I don't think I sat down and realized the gravity of that. If God was as wavering as we are in our minds and hearts sometimes, like it wouldn't be the gospel. And he remains the same and he's true and his promises are true. And so singing that song this year was like, all right, I know you're frustrated, Rhett. Like, look at myself in the mirror, brushing my teeth. Like, I know you're worried. Come on, dude. Like, 
live it out. And so for me and my, my little family, we've, we've tried to keep that at the forefront of our mind and trust and rest in that this year. And it ain't always been easy, but yeah. I think we've, we've done a pretty good job at it so far. Two glittering eyes were staring in my office at me yesterday, and I about jumped out of my seat. Oh, brother. It's okay. Jen? Yeah? Do, do you want to defend yourself about this, this thing that you've brought into the you office? You haven't leveled an accusation yet. I want you I want you to say what it is that's, that's bothering you, Taylor. Jen's got a creepy owl. <laughs> Creepy He's owl. a creepy owl with jewel eyeballs, and he chills in the office, and we're pretty much all afraid of it. I know. Okay. Well, she's texted all of us a picture, and we all reacted. Okay. Let me let me tell the story. So, I like to bring in decorations that I share with the office. Mm-hmm. You know, I do spring ones, Christmas ones, fall ones, and for the last several years. Mm-hmm. I have a box that I bring in for fall and and included in this box is this lovely owl that has been out in the office usually up by Sarah every year for the past several years. It's one of those like metal plate and it's got decorative jewels and sequins I'll, and stuff on I'll it. I'll put a picture of it on Facebook okay. so that you can decide. But I found this owl in my office, on my desk. And I'm like, wait a minute. And so I went and put it back where it belonged on the display. And then I found it back on my office again. Disrupting office its migratory patterns, Jen. And I'm like, who keeps putting my owl back on my desk? So finally, Sarah, the only brave one amongst mm-hmm. us, it's like, Jen, here's the deal. We are all completely weirded out by that owl. None of us like the owl. We're all scared of the owl. I'm like, what? He can see my soul's soul. (laughs) She's like, I don't want him up here anymore. I'm afraid of him. Take your owl and bring it home. And I was like, oh, my word. I'm so offended. Yeah. So the owl is home and it's found a place in my decorations at my house. And I think he's a perfectly lovely owl and his feelings are hurt. And so are mine. I think I'm losing this one. You are. There are a lot of people on Facebook agreeing with me right now. It's not creepy. It's cute. I love my owl decoration. But everybody here at the office made me take it home because they said it was so creepy. I'm glad you love it. Everything needs at least one person to love it. So it has found its one. Tell us about if you've got a creepy decoration that uh, just doesn't quite sit right with you. My mom has these pumpkin people that she loves. Pumpkin people. They're about a foot tall. What? And they have pumpkin heads. Oh, no. They're about the size, a little smaller than your arm from your fingertip to your elbow. Okay. And they are creepy. I mean, they are. They stand and she's like, look, aren't they cute? They're all kind of gathered up. I'm like, yeah, they're creepy. And they're all looking at us. And so my sisters and I have had a funny thing where we don't want to hurt her feelings, but she knows we don't like them. So, like, it's more of a joke now, but when I go to her house to visit and when we go visit, we turn the pumpkin people around so they're facing the wall. It's supposed to make your house prettier and more inviting. Picture magazine perfect. Instead, your decoration is terrifying. My decoration is not terrifying. I'm it's, looking at a picture. No, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. This is a lovely owl. 
If you've got some creepy decorations, we'd love to hear about them. Especially the ones that your grandparents had in their house. Oh, and that's what I want to talk about it is my grandparents. And I guess this was more of a toy, but it was around the house enough that it felt like a decoration. They had one of those dolls that, you know, when you would like pick it up, the eyes would open. Oh, oh, no, no. No, Okay, so. And did it say mommy? It it didn't talk, fortunately. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness. But those are not so bad when they're new. But when they've been in the family for, oh, I don't know, about a generation, and it's still sitting there on the table, and one of the eyes kind of sticks, you you look over, and all of a sudden there's a baby doll on the coffee table, and he's winking at you. What do you know that I don't, baby doll? And he's just sitting there, and then you try to pick him up, and he starts blinking at you with the other eye, and then the other one uncatches, and he does this weird eye eye wave sort of thing going on. I can't believe that you became a functioning adult after having that I, around. You know what? It's it was introducing foreign things to myself that built my my strength that I have today. Wow, Taylor so, survived a blinking baby doll, a winking baby a doll. Winking- I don't think anybody ever feels like rejoicing when times get hard. No. You've got these verses in the Bible, though, like the book of James, probably written by Jesus' brother, where he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Yeah. Maybe that would take a more mature person than me, because normally my first response during a trial is, why, God, why? I've been through those stretches. We went for a stretch of, it was six years yeah. that we went to five funerals. I know, you guys and got it hit was, so hard. I mean, one of them was my uh, wife's older brother. Mm-hmm. One of them was my cousin, people we were very, very close to. And let me tell you, in those five years... We did not feel like rejoicing. No, you didn't. Because of those things that we were going through. Of course you didn't. But as we've slowly but surely come on the other side, I'm starting to notice that God gave that pain meaning. He has given me an empathy that I didn't have before, Mm -hmm. that when I talk to people who've lost someone or hear of someone who's lost someone, there's a getting it that wasn't there before, that I'm able to kind of come alongside and just understand a little bit better what people are going through. You can help people grieve. And there's this weird relationship you get with pain. I will never be thankful that my cousin isn't here. Right. I will never be thankful for all the funerals we went to and all the tears we had to cry. But I am so thankful for the empathy that God brought from that. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that, you know, we read in the Bible, the enemy means things for evil and God finds a way to bend them into beauty. And when I look at my scars, I look at a God who can take the ugly and bring something beautiful and meaningful out of it. Maybe our scars are the most glorified parts of us. Jesus rose from the dead, had a glorified body, walked through walls, and he kept his scars in order to tell his story to Thomas and anybody else that wouldn't believe. Which I think so many of us are like, okay, I'm back from the dead. I am going to look my best. There's going to be chiseled abs. There are going to be zero scars or blemishes. And Jesus is like, I don't want you to forget this. Thing is, there are times when you're very comfortable. I had a very, very comfortable life. And then I went from being married to not being married Mm -hmm. in the worst time of my life. It was awful. Barely breathe most Mm -hmm. days. And a good portion of that time, I was so filled with shame. I didn't think God would ever be able to use me again, which is one of the reasons why I didn't tell my story. I was ashamed of it. On the other side of all of that... 
people will ask me how I'm doing, and I have the same answer all the time. He is faithful. Yeah. He is faithful. He is faithful in the big ways. He is faithful in the small ways. I have seen God's faithfulness more in the last 14, 15 months than I can remember seeing in all of my life. And here's the thing. I don't care what you have been through, what you have done, and the scars that you have. If you want to be used by God on the other side of it, he will use you, and he will use you for his glory. And being used by God for his glory is better than any comfort you might have thought you were enjoying. You know, we were talking earlier about how our scars often are reminders of times that were hard but brought us close to the Lord. And Sherry wanted to share her story. 20 years ago, I was rear-ended and ran over by a semi-truck. Oh, my goodness. Broke six vertebrae in my spine, fractured two others, and broke both hips. Came back to life on the paramedics 45 minutes later. So, by God's grace, I'm still here today. But talk about testimonies coming out of those tests. Mm. So the Lord brought me to Romans 5, beginning with the third verse, and out of the Amplified Version, it says, Moreover, let us rejoice, exalt, and triumph, that through those trials and tribulations, the Lord is building the maturity of character in us that He so desires. Mm. We don't like the journeys when we're in the midst of it. We don't even like the journeys when we're on the end of it, but we can look back and see that God is building within us what he wants us to have to be able to be a blessing to other people. Creepy decorations. What an uplifting conversation. They build character. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if, you, if you can get used to being terrified of this, the world won't scare you. Years ago, my mom sent a box of items that belonged to my grandmother, and there was a doll in the box, and it had a like a soft fabric body, but it had porcelain feet and hands and a porcelain face. Naturally. The eyes were missing. They were like on a little wire, two little like eyeballs attached together and they were in the box, but they were not in the (laughs) holes where the eyes belong. So they're just rolling around in the box. Oh, wow. I couldn't get the eyes attached, so (laughs) I sat her on the shelf for a while with these black slits for her eyes. And it creeped us all out. Of course it did! And I was creeped out. Of course! And finally, one day, I did the Jumanji thing. I put her in a shoebox, and I taped it all shut, and I threw it in the garbage can because I couldn't handle it anymore. (laughs) This has been the Taylor and Jen Podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at Life1071.com or on the Life1071 app.